0: Well, as most, if not all of you know, we're working on a series called Character, and uh, we are in the thick of it right now, so I just want to speak to those who might be just joining us for today, or you may, this may be your first time, or you just kind of drop it in and out. Uh, today's service will make a whole lot more sense when you see the big picture of it. Uh, we started this back at the end, beginning of October, and so if you're able to kind of catch up and, and see today, is going to make a lot more, uh, lot more sense. But we have been mining pretty deep into the reality of who we are, and we've been discussing some realities about ourselves that, I mean, if we're going to be honest, it's not very pretty. Uh, There's a lot of ugly things that are going on in our lives, but it's necessary for us to unveil it and to to pull it out into the light. We need to do a complete overhaul on every dimension of who we are. And hopefully you guys have been doing the work in your times with God throughout the week. Um, and allowing you know, God to just transform your character in that process. You know, one thing, I've been getting some emails from some of you over the last week and just sharing how, what God's doing in your life, what He's been showing you. And I have to say, that's hugely encouraging. So thank you for doing that. But last week we talked about our feelings and how feelings can consume us and and dominate us. And I told you that we were going to discuss this week how our thoughts and our feelings can be merged together to really experience transformation in our life. And so I said that's what we're going to talk about. But I I said that prematurely because as I was sitting down this week and trying to work out our next step, I really feel like we need to address um, a couple things first. And the first thing is our bodies. We have to talk about our bodies. Um, This will make more sense later on as we kind of merge everything together, but um, our bodies are an important part of who we are. They're a key dimension to who we are. And so we need to discuss it. We need to talk about it. So I'm going to start with this verse found in Corinthians, um, and I'm going to read it slowly, um, but I want you to really focus on the words and, and on the power of it. Says this: Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own; you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, I like how it words that; it makes it almost sound like it's easy just, just do it. But we all know it's not that easy. The reality is reality is for us to honor God with our bodies. It means we have to do some training. We're going to have to do some training to be ready to do what is good and what is right and and to stay away from what is evil. It takes work. It doesn't just come naturally. And you want to know why? Because we're bent towards evil. Having been born into sin, our natural bent is towards evil. And that bent towards evil exists in our body parts. We're going to talk about that in a minute. In, in a minute. But that part of us has to be eliminated. The body has to become our ally in Christ-like living. We don't really think about this, but often the body is the biggest hindrance to our walk with Christ. Our body can be the biggest block or biggest barrier for our conforming our lives to Jesus Christ. You know, our stomach can be our God. Just eat, 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 eat to please ourselves. Um, our beauty, how we look, can be our God. Our health can be our God. Um, sensual gratification can be our God. And, and like I said, our body has so many bents towards evil. So much so that I think that over centuries, theologians and Christians have taken the approach that really, our body must be really evil, it's bad. There's nothing good about our body. Our flesh and blood is just wicked. There's nothing we can do about it. We just have to wait to heaven. Till we get to heaven, then everything will be fine. But I just want to say I believe that that is very untrue. I don't think that our body is inherently evil. Our body is actually a good thing. God made it for good. I mean, when you when you think about it, remember Jesus came in a body. He lived his life on this earth in flesh and blood, in a human body. And so the way of Jesus Christ is really hugely incarnational. That's that huge fancy word, incarnation, means God became flesh. And we sing about it in our Christmas songs. So that being said, I think we need to look at the body as something to be cherished and something to be properly cared for, not not as a master. It can't be our master. It has to be our servant in all this, but we need to look at it as a good thing. But that's often the problem, isn't it? We, we see our body become our master. The body governs our life, and that's a huge problem that we find ourselves in. Our, our life often becomes so devoted to our body. You ever thought about this? How much time do we spend on spiritual matters of our life versus compared to how much time we spend on our physical body. I mean, the amount of time we spend spiritually is just a fraction of how much we spend, how much time we spend on our bodies. It is amazing how much time we spend on our bodies. Like I was just thinking about this week that, you know, if the people who are running our streets and working out in our gyms that are on every corner... If they spent half that time running after Jesus, our, our nation would look like a different nation. Amen? It's crazy how much time we spend on our body. And just like we see with our thoughts and our feelings, our body dominates us and it ends up running our life. And guys, this cannot be. Our body can't be our master. It needs to become our ally. And here's the cool part, guys. It actually can become our ally. It can. It can. And it must. But you know what? Oddly enough, this is a part of spiritual transformation that a lot of Christianity doesn't focus on. They leave the body out of the picture. And I think that's to our own detriment. We can't do that in this series. In our whole transformation of character, we've got to focus on our bodies. Remember how we talked a few weeks back about how we find ourselves sitting on the throne of our lives, how we've become, in a sense, our own God? And we talked about how when we're at that spot in our lives, our bodies become the main source of our attention. We want to please every sensual indulgence, all the desires of the flesh, we want to meet it. We live and operate out of the flesh. And we talked about how when we do that, we're playing God in our lives, okay, We've kicked God off the throne and we're playing God. And and our body and our flesh is the source of our worship. We worship our bodies. And guys, all I can say is that kind of living, that kind of life will only end in death. It is a life of death that is not the divine life that we've been talking about. It's not the, the life that Jesus came to give us. We're called to a different way of life. And so to understand our situation and see how it can be transformed, we have to understand the role of our body in all this, in our human life. What is the body and what's, it may, what's its main function in relation to our walk with God? Okay, so let's talk about that. And to begin with, I just want to kind of talk about some things about our body, things that we've probably never thought of before, but are very unique to having bodies. Not sure if you've thought about this, but our body is the original and primary place of my dominion or responsibility. In other words, everything in my kingdom or circles of influence will emanate from my body, okay? It starts with my body. It's only through my body that I have a world to live in, okay? My life experiences come through my body. Like, let me ask you your third service question. Do you guys have any childhood memories? Yeah, was your body there? Yeah. That's how you have these memories. You remember what you saw. You remember what you did. You remember what you smelled, what you, what you heard. Your body is what makes you have those memories. You live life through your body. Think about this. It's only through our body that we've been given a place and time in human history. Like, for instance, was there ever a Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. Is he around now? No. What was his time frame? Who knows right (laughs) but let's how do we know his time frame was here on this earth because what was here his body okay that was his time and place in human history when his body was here with us Um, through my body I'm given a gender okay how do you separate me from a a woman from my body a body gives it away okay Through our bodies, we have families. Through my body, I have a language. Through my body, I have a culture. Think about this. It's through my body that I have a set of talents. And then with those talents, I have opportunities to use them. Like, for instance, you know, Kirk's over here. Um, every Sunday, and he's playing a guitar. He's using his body to play guitar. Chad's on the drums, and he's using his body to play the drums. And Chris and Eric, and, and Bill's over there on the keyboard, you know, using his body to play the keyboard. Not quite that bad, but and then these guys are, are singing. They're using their bodies that have talents to, to, to serve the rest of us. It comes through their bodies. And, and think about this. It's our body, as a human being, that we first have to learn how to control Okay, We've, We never think about this, but we have to learn how to control our body. Think about a baby. When they're born, they have no control over their body. When you have a little newborn and you're looking at it and they just kind of sit there and, you know, they don't do anything. And we get excited when they open their eyes. You're like, oh, their eyes are open. It's all, come on over here. Look at this. But then eventually what happens to their eyes? What do they start to do? They start to focus on something, like they'll focus, like if, if a dad's holding the baby and the baby will focus on dad, he's like, honey, she's looking at me, come on over here. We get all excited because she's suddenly getting control of the body and bit by bit, they start to take control of their body. They, you know, have you, ever, have you ever held kind of a newer baby, how they can't, their body, they just kind of jerk around and you have to kind of hold it higher to keep their body pressing because if you hold too low, what do they do? Well, they'll fall over back, but you got their legs. They're, they're okay. <laughs> but has anybody been head-bashed by a baby before? Where you're kind of holding on, so boom! Oh, my word! And then you drop them, and you're holding your nose, and it's ugly. It's because they have no control. But then, being it's the sermon on the body, I've got to get my body into it. We put them down in those little bouncy seats, you know, where they kind of do that. But what do we put above them? Answer me quickly so I don't have to be down here. It's really disturbing for the front row. We put little toys, right? And they're kind of, you know, trying to grab these toys, and they're learning how to control, you know, their legs going all over. But eventually they learn to take control where they can sit up in their crib, and they can grab a toy and hold it and play with it. And eventually they take control of their body where they can stand up in their crib. And they're, you know, bouncing up and down and screaming, whatever. Then what comes next? Yep, they learn how to climb over that crib, and suddenly their kingdom gets really big. They start to have, you know, a bigger place to roam in. Well, bit by bit, that's how babies learn to take control of their body and extend their kingdom beyond their own little body. It's funny, though. Kids, as they start to grow, they'll start to bump into other little kingdoms, like other little babies, and what's the what's the funny thing that babies do when they have a toy? What will they say? Mine. Mine. I remember, I was uh, in the jungles of Colombia one time, and uh, we were building an airstrip. But I happened to be working on a house that day. I don't remember what I was doing, but a missionary woman was sitting there with her like one-year-old baby. And he was this plump, chunky baby sitting there, you know, with a toy. And the, she was talking to this Indian woman who had another, like, one-year-old baby that was this scrawny, skinny little thing, you know, it's just sitting there like this. And the missionary baby had this toy, and it was kind of gnawing on it and whatnot. And the Indian baby wanted that toy. And so the Indian baby was trying to grab for it, and the missionary baby was, you know, not being very missionary-like and, you know, <laughs> yanking it away. And I wish I had a video of this. But the Indian baby was sitting there and went, <laughs> drilled, <laughs> drilled the It rolled over backwards, dropped the toy. Indian picked up the toy and, all right, it's good to go. <laughs> so, like that, as you know, as human beings, we start as we grow our kingdom, we start to bump into other people's kingdoms, other kingdoms that might run contrary to our own. Okay, they have different ideas. They have different desires than than mine, or and, and you know, and they're not willing to budge. And this is where we start to have our problems when we bump into this, because what begins to happen? I find myself getting angry and I find myself getting fearful and, and I start to be like, you know what, how dare you disagree with me? Or how, how dare you go against the way I, you know, I feel about this? And, and, and then we start to get fearful, like, well, what if their ideas are going to kind of take over the world? And we, we get all freaked out and we get bitter and jealous and resentful. And the next thing you know, I find myself growing hostile to these other kingdoms and these attitudes that start to dwell in me start to take residence in my body and I'm ready to hurt them and we have feelings of wanting to see them suffer or hurt. And let me tell you something, our current culture is filled with that right now. Our nation is filled with that. Facebook has become a key place for seeing this happen. It makes me sick to my stomach sometimes seeing what some people post on Facebook. The bitterness and hatred spewed out on Facebook even amongst Christians, it's ugly. But that's because our body has taken taken these feelings and we're starting to act out on it. And these negative feelings are harmful because we're going to find that these feelings, they settle into our bodies. It's kind of like, have you ever heard the statement, uh, well, it's not a statement, it's just a term, body language? What does that mean? It means our body is communicating something about how we feel. Now, Human uh, adults are masters at this. We can hide, you know, we can come into work and be like, "Hey Tom, how are you?" Yeah, I'm having a great day here. Just an awesome day. And on the inside we're like ticked off, but we hide it from our body. Kids can't do that. Kids, uh, they they haven't learned yet how to disguise their emotions, so they wear their emotions on their sleeve. And so when you see a kid's reaction about something, you know exactly how they feel because they can't hide it. Like for instance, let's look at this picture. What is this kid feeling? Fear, surprise, yeah, whatever. How about this one? <laughs> Excitement, you know, joy or whatever. How about this next one? Laughter, they're happy. And how about this one? Sad, and then this last one? <laughs> yeah. Kids are really good at being able to share their emotions. They don't hide it that well. Um, and that's body language. Have you ever heard the term, man, if looks could kill or she looks like she could kill somebody, it's that body language being communicated. And these feelings start to take residence in our body, and our body takes a position of being ready to act out on these feelings should it need to. Our bodies are bent towards evil. And unfortunately, listen to me here unfortunately, our natural reaction is to act out wrongly in order to preserve ourselves and our kingdom. If somebody infringes on me, it's a natural reaction for me to beat them down. We're bent that way. But listen to me here. It doesn't have to remain that way. Jesus can redeem even our bodies. And that's why I love the fact that Jesus came in the flesh. His incarnation, His taking on flesh is so essential to our faith. He came in the flesh to bring redemption to our bodies as well. He came in the body so He could deliver our bodies. And so this entire plan of redemption involves the redemption of our body. And guys, that's good news for us. That's great news. Look at Galatians 2. It says this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, say it with me, in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Redemption is for the life that I right now live in my body. Guys, here's the deal. Our present life, the life we're living right now, not waiting for in heaven, right now in this body is supposed to be caught up in this eternal life of God, the divine life we talked about. We're to be experiencing that. And so our bodies must become holy. They must come over to the side of Christ. If our body isn't able to come over, it will be impossible to become like Christ. It just will be. And guys, we're called to become like him. In 1 John, it says this In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, what? We're like him. At least we're supposed to be. So seeing that our bodies are acting out in holiness, guys, it's so important. And don't get me wrong there's going to be a total redemption of our bodies one day when Christ returns, but that doesn't mean right now we can't experience redemption in our bodies to a certain degree. In Romans it says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Now think about the power of what that verse says right there, Whitestone. We must understand that even though our body is a physical thing, it is inhabited by the real presence of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And that news should make us get so excited. Because that divine life is possible for us to live because the divine one is living in us. That's the beauty of it. We can live a new life. Romans 6, four says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We can live a new life. So let's look at how we can see this come to pass. How, how do we do this? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. If you have a Bible, turn there. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians is in the New Testament. It's one of the epistles. A little way you can find it. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's General Electric Power Company. Okay, so that'll help you. Gave you that for free. You don't have to pay for that one. Colossians 3. And let's look at verse 5. It says, Put to death, therefore, your members... By the way, I'm reading from the American Standard Version. Yours might be different, but just follow along. Put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, and uncleanness, and passion, and evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake cometh the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience? Now, I know that's kind of fancy English, but Paul basically is telling us to put to death our members which are on the earth. The Greek says, mortify your members. Now, what does that mean to mortify? It means put to death. Put to death your members. In the Greek, for that word members, it means limbs or parts of the body. So what in the world is Paul trying to tell us to put to death the parts of your body that are on this earth? What does that mean? Well, I guess a simple way for us to look at this would simply to say that Paul is telling us to put to death the parts of our lives that can be lived out without supernatural power. Okay? Okay. Members in our bodies on this earth that can be lived out without any help from God, okay? The part of our lives that doesn't require the Holy Spirit flowing through this. Another way of putting this, I like this way better, is, in other words, Paul's telling us to put to death the habits that dwell in our body parts that aren't fueled by supernatural means. For instance, take a look at that verse. Put to death, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Okay? Now, fornication is sexual, having sex outside of marriage. Okay? So let me ask you this. Does it take any supernatural power to commit fornication? No. You can just live out your life natural, and it will lead to that. It doesn't take any supernatural power from God. Does it take any supernatural power to have evil desires? No. You just kind of just go with the flow and you will start to have evil desires. Does it take the Holy Spirit's power in you to make you covet after things? Nope. It's just, it'll just happen normally. These crazy things come natural to us. Just follow the natural inclinations already built into your body, and they will just happen. Look at the world around us. These are the parts of our life on this earth that do not come from heaven. They are not from God. They're not part of the divine life. In fact, these things are at war with God, and that's why God's wrath is coming for them one day. So, Paul tells us, put to death the members which are on this earth. Put them to death. These aren't part of the divine life, they're not Christ's life in us. So, kill them off. They need to die. These habits have to be gone. You see, having been formed in sin, our character and our body are set against God. Like, for instance, those two little babies. Did anybody have to teach that little Indian kid to punch the dude in the face so he could grab the toy? No. He was born in sin that was just bent into him. We are formed in that, and our body is bent towards that. And guys, we could even become followers of Jesus Christ. We can become believers of Jesus, and still, those things are still bent that way. For instance, I'll, I'll get graphic with this. Let's say that a man, he's grown up in this world, you know, as everything is about sensual gratification, he's walking down the street, someone who's not a follower of Jesus, and a beautiful woman comes walking down the street. What will a man typically do? He'll Be checking out this girl and then walking by and looking up and down her body, enjoying every part of her and imagining things in his mind. Now let's say that that man suddenly becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. He becomes a believer in Jesus and he's wanting to follow Jesus. And he's walking down that sidewalk and this beautiful girl starts walking his way. What's gonna happen to him? Is it gonna be this this wonderful little miraculous oh and he's like, Bless you, woman, and just keep walking? No, what's he gonna do? Because of the habits formed in his body, what will he do? Same thing. He's gonna check out this woman, look at this whole way, and he'll go, Man, what am I doing? What am I doing? Because those habits are formed into his body parts. Let's talk about our stomach. You know, we eat because we're mad. We eat because we're sad. We eat because we're happy. We eat because we just want to eat. (laughs) So we become followers of Jesus Christ. Suddenly we're believers in him and we get mad. What do we do? We get sad. What do we do? Why? Because our body parts, they have that habit formed into it. And that's what Paul is saying. Put it to death. When our spirit comes to new life in God, unfortunately, those old programs, those old habits, the the old way of doing things are still running. They're still running pretty well. They're still going strong. And those habits are, are built. They dwell in the members of our body. They need to be put to death. And that's why in Romans it says says, as it is, it's no longer I myself who do it. It's the sin living in me. These sinful passions are still at work in our bodily parts. They're bent towards evil. They have been trained to act this way for so long that they keep on acting it. Our spirit might be willing, but our flesh is what? Weak. Because it's trained to do that. It's like the person who has cussed his entire life, just a foul mouth, used obscenities for every single thing of his life. He suddenly becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. And he's walking along and he kicks his toe on the couch. What comes out of his mouth? Nothing good. You know, it's just going to come out. Why? Because he's been trained that way. Okay? Now, when that happens, and that happens to all of us, many of us get discouraged. And we just go, oh my land! What is my problem? What is my problem? And a lot of a lot of Christians guess what they do? What do they do? They give up. They go, you know what? It's, uh, it's, I can't do this. What's the point anymore? We get discouraged and we give up. But guys, I just want you to know. I, I trust me. I understand that. But we need to know that this is a transitional state. The power of the Spirit of God at work you can and will open the way to set you free from the force of sin that has been dwelling in your bodily parts. Those things have to be put to death. And what we need to do is we need to make our body a slave to righteousness. Our bodies must become slaves to righteousness. Look at this verse of Romans 6. If you have a Bible, highlight this verse. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. Whitestone, we have to take this literally. We must become slaves to righteousness, and I know that sounds weird, but it's the truth. We have to become slaves to righteousness, And the reason that is, is because our body parts have been doing the opposite for far too long. They've been slaves to sin. And because of that, the habits that dwell in our members move us into action before we even think. Think about that for a second. Before we even think. Like the tongue. Our tongue... We will rip someone down. We will curse. We will lie. We will do that stuff. And a lot of times it happens before we even have time to think. We just go, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh my word, that just came out. Our stomach, we just eat. We don't even thinking. Our fist, somebody does something to me. Boom, pop them back. Ooh, man, I didn't mean to do that. It was right there. We didn't have to think. Our face, have you ever thought about our face? How when we're around somebody we don't like and they're saying something we don't like, what do we do? What does our face show it? We don't even think it just contorts and takes on all these things because it's just acting out through our body. And guys, hear me on this. The person who's caught up in this lust and resentment and anger and fear and shame, and the list goes on and on, a person who's caught up in that, his body has taken over. And this should not be. We need to present our bodily parts as slaves to righteousness. And this is the only reasonable way to use our body. Let me ask you guys this question, and I'm going to read a verse first, then I'll ask it to you. The verse we talked about at the beginning. Do, not, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you receive from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Here's the question. Who owns your body? Come on, third service. God does. God owns your body. So if God owns you, God has purchased you with Christ's blood. We were purchased. Then tell me, let's reason this out together. If God owns us and we're purchased at a high price, then let me ask you a question. What should we be doing with our body? Honoring God with it. Romans 12.1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your what? Bodies. Bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We must be a living sacrifice. We must yield every part of our body to God. Every part, every muscle, every tissue, every organ. We must yield it over to God. And we must let every part of our body be fueled by the very powers of heaven, just like Jesus did. Amen? So what are some steps we can do to make that happen? What are are some things that we can do that allows the grace of God to work in us to do the things we can't do? Here's, I'm just going to list a few. First thing we need to do, guys, is we must release our body to God. Now, I know it seems goofy. The reality is we do it for our own sake. God already owns our body, but we need to release it to Him. In a sense, literally saying, God, this body, I'm giving it to you. These feet, I'm giving it to you. Well, I was on the mountain, I felt like God told me to do that. He said, Luke, I want you to give your body to me. Well, I'm like, God, it's already yours. He goes, I know, but I want you to do it. So I laid in that hammock, and it took a long time, but I went through every part of my body. I started with my feet, and I'm like, Jesus, these feet are yours. You know, I, they, for far too long, have been running swiftly to evil. I don't want that anymore. I want them to be used as slaves to righteousness. So I'm giving you these feet. They are your feet. Jesus, I present my feet to you. And I slowly went through every part of my body I could think of. And I gave it to Jesus. We need to do that. And this should be something that we at least should do on a yearly basis, maybe even a monthly basis. Give our body to Him. Second thing, no longer should we idolize our body. No longer do we make it the ultimate, you know, concern of our life. Remember, you've given it to God It's his to do with as he pleases. You care for it only as long as it serves God's purposes in your life. You don't worry what's gonna happen to it. Don't worry about all the wrinkles that are starting to form. Like, oh my word, look at this, the gray hairs and everything. Don't worry about that. It's his. You just keep serving him. Don't worry about sickness. Don't worry about repulsiveness. Don't don't even worry about death. For you have placed God in charge of your body. Stop idolizing it. Guys, I know this is countercultural to the world we live in. It just is. I mean, the idea systems of our day say just the opposite. The idea systems of our day say focus on your body because you got to look hot. You got to look good. You got to look ripped. You got to have the six-pack abs. You got to be, you know, selfies and everything that we take. (laughs) It's all about the body. But we don't pay attention to those things of the world any longer. We pay attention to following Jesus. Third thing, don't misuse your your body. And part of that is don't use it as a source of sensual gratification. In all the different addictions that we face in our world today, it is a misuse of the body. Don't use your body to dominate others. And this can mean different things to different people. Like, for instance, you ladies... You ladies have a great power given to you by God. I mean, you're, you're beautiful. And you have a power to use that to try to affect other people around you. Don't use your body for that. Don't use your body to be sexy. You can be naturally attractive without that. Don't use your body to intimidate others like the whole power dressing we talked about several weeks. Don't use your body to try to intimidate and you know, look people down. I remember several years ago, my wife and I went to uh, what's that? Uh, Texas Roadhouse, and uh, we went out on a date. And we're sitting out there, and we're waiting. It's a long wait, and you know you're all kind of in there like herds of cattle waiting for your stupid little buzzer to happen. And uh, and so we're sitting there, and there was this guy across, you know, he's sitting there across the hallway, looking at my wife, and he's like checking her up one side and down the other, just going, kind of, you know, watching her. And I'm like looking at him, and I'm like you little punk. So I'm bowing up and I'm standing over there and I'm trying to like flex my bicep and be like, you know, whatever, doing everything. I mean, I'm wearing a Mr. Rogers sweater right now, so it's not very intimidating. But uh, I was trying to do my best to be like, back down, punk, or I'll take you down. Don't do that. Don't use your body to intimidate others. Having given our body to God, we just, we don't have to do that anymore. Don't overwork your body. That's part of misuse. You know, some people so want to be successful in this world, they want to climb that corporate ladder, they will work their bodies into the ground. That's a misuse. Don't misuse your body. Use it properly. Third thing, or fourth thing, what are we on? Fourth thing, honor and care for your body. The body must be treated as holy because it's the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. It's owned and inhabited by God. And because the body is holy, we must care for it. Give it the proper nourishment it needs. Give it the proper exercise it needs. Now notice I said proper. Because we can overdo every single one of those things. We can overdo nourishment. We can overdo exercise. We can easily make those things our God. Don't do that. We just need to be careful. We need to We need to properly take care of our body. And another part of caring for the body is rest. And let me tell you something, guys. As Americans, we're not good at that. We have to rest. Resting the body properly is very important because without the proper rest, the body tends to take center stage and it's more strongly felt. I mean, I, don't, I mean, we, we see it with kids. What do we say when a kid's acting up? Oh, he's tired. <laughs> he's just tired. <laughs> but we ignore it as adults. And when we're, not, when we're tired, when we haven't rested our body, we will act out inappropriately. I notice sometimes when I've had a long day, and it's getting to the end of the day, and I'm having to stay up later, and, and Shano might say, Hey, Luke, can I just ask you to do one more thing? Hmm. <laughs> My body language is like. Mm. She's like, I'm sorry, I'll do it. I'll survive. It's because I'm tired. It don't don't do that to your body without rest. Listen to this: parts of the body are going to call out more strongly for gratification. Sensual desires. Listen to me, especially you men. Sensual desires have more power over us when our body is in desperate need of rest. When you're fully rested, you can stand up to the temptations of sin far better. Rest, properly taking care of your body, giving, all, doing all that stuff, it's going to give us clarity of the mind, and we need that. Whereas weariness and all that is going to cause us to seek gratification and energy from food, from drugs, from illicit relationships, whatever it might be. And guys, I tell you, those lead to nothing good. Those are are some things we have to do away with. So rest your body. Now these are some things, those things I just mentioned. There's some things we can do with our body. These are things we can do. And guys, once again, I'm going to say this. No one will do this for you. You have to choose to do it. But when you do this, working along with God, God will do the things in you that you could never do on your own. His grace will work with you. And guys, doing these things is honestly going to take planning. Someone once told me, you got to have a plan. And when we do that, when we place it in plan, God's going to work with us, but you got to do your part. Okay? So let's do our part, Whitestone. All right, this week, our homework, our time with God is a long one, so I'm not going to go it over with you. So on your way out, there's these little orange pieces of paper that have your your times with God, what I'm asking you to do this week, okay? So I want you to, to on your way out, grab one, and I want you to do it. Really try to do this one. This is going to involve our body, okay? So make sure that you do it, and uh, that will kind of set us up for the weeks to come. Guys, I, I want to end by just, um, as we're entering into this Thanksgiving season, I just want to take some time to thank you. Uh, you guys are some of the most special people in the world to me and my wife. We love you guys to death. I, I tell you, I know I say this maybe too much, but I'm so grateful that I'm part of this Whitestone family. You guys are some of the best people in this world. And that we, the fact that we get to run after Jesus to get together is a huge privilege for me. And so thank you. Thank you for your hearts. Thank you for your desire to run after Jesus. Thank you for your wanting to, to serve Him and to plunder the kingdom of darkness. I love that in you. Let's keep doing it in the years to come. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this Whitestone family. Every single one of them. I just love them so much. I pray that you would bless them. And as we go into this Thanksgiving season, may we take the time to just truly thank you for all the blessings we have, because we have so many. God, may we become men and women who use our bodies as instruments of righteousness. May we become slaves to righteousness. And may we put to death the parts of us, these old habits that have just ruled us for far too long. We ask that your spirit would do that work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, love you. Have an awesome, awesome week. We'll see you.